Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Heather Stern. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at Lippincott and host of the podcast, Icons in the Making. At Lippincott, Heather serves as a trusted advisor to top of clients across industries, as well as overseeing the brand activations and the brand of Lippincott, including industry partnerships and collaborations with companies such as eBay, Google, IBM, Samsung, and Southwest Airlines. On the show today, we talk about her current role as CMO at Lippincott, how that's evolved over the years. She spent 10 years at the company. And we talk about the 80 years that Lippincott has been around, types of things that they're focused on today. We talk about CMOs, the role of CMOs and the changing success factors, if you will, that they need to be thinking about. And then we talk a little bit about brand, how it's evolving, what's staying the same, and much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Heather Stern. So Heather Stern, Chief Marketing Officer at Lippincott. Well, Heather, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super interested in this conversation. But before we get going too far on business, I hear you have a love of live music. Tell me more about that. Yes, going to 
to see live music has just been one of my favorite things in the world since I was little. And I've seen over a hundred shows and all sorts of genres and all sorts of locations, but it's truly, it's truly my happy place. I met my husband at a concert. I found out I was having a boy the day I went to a Beastie Boys concert, which was very fitting. So <laughs> lots of, lots of stories and, and concerts. I love it. I mean, a hundred shows is no joke. Like, I don't know how many I've been to, but it's not a hundred. Um, well, you know, there are definitely some people that are pretty diehard and travel all around with their favorite, with their favorite bands. I have not done that, but I've always made it a point to, to see live music. And uh, yeah, my first concert, I must have been in sixth grade and it was at Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation. So I'm aging myself, but it was a oh. good, it was a good intro to live music. Wow. What a way to get started. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a lot easier to get tickets than it is today. For I know. All those that are trying to get Taylor and Beyonce tickets. It's, it's near impossible. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite the, quite the range to Beastie Boys, to Beyonce, to Janet Jackson. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love all music. I like it. Well, let's talk a little bit about you and your career path. How you're now the chief marketing officer at Lippincott. What was your path? Like, where'd you get started and how'd you end up in the current role that you're in? Yeah, so I, I've i been with Lippincott now for 10 years, which is kind of amazing. And it's gone by very fast. Um, but it's, and I'm sure most people are like this. You, know, you don't necessarily set out and say, okay, this is going to be the exact path. I think just being open to conversations and new opportunities throughout my journey. But I, I was very, very interested in writing and in journalism. And so after graduating from Northwestern, I started to work for an author and a journalist and was her editorial assistant. And it was kind of a wild ride and, and got kind of exposed to the whole world of journalism and the literary kind of path that she was taking. And it was great, but it was kind of clear that I wasn't, it wasn't for me. And so I pivoted into a role not so dissimilar to kind of what I'm doing now, but certainly at a more junior level, working for Elias Arts, which was focused on music and sound design for brands. And the division I worked for was essentially trying to build out its offering in Sonic branding, which was fairly new at the time. And I was their marketing and communications manager and helping kind of spread the word about power of music and sound as it relates to building your brand. From there, I worked as a industry conference producer and so very much focused on tapping into what were the big trends that were impacting the world of marketing and marketers recruiting speakers who kind of came from amazing brands to tell their stories, focused on brand strategy and identity and advanced research methods, you know, when ethnography was starting to come into the fold. So I did that for a while and then got kind of recruited by one of my speakers to Millward Brown, which is now Cantar, but a WPP company focused on brand research and brand strategy. And I was there for a number of years doing corporate marketing for North America and got kind of a, a call from Lippincott and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And at being, I mean, at this same company for 10 years, you've seen a lot, I would imagine as well. The company itself is, I think if I've got my math right, uh, 75 years old. We'll be um, 80 this year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 80. That's amazing. 
it's amazing. Pretty amazing. I mean, especially in a, a day and age where there are new agencies and consultancies and businesses that are popping up all over the place. And while I think there's something incredibly important about being on the cutting edge and being relevant, which I, I hope that we are, I think that we are, there is also something about longevity and having seen the trends and in some cases have shaped kind of the trends over the years. And so to kind of go back to the beginning of this whole industry around brand strategy and corporate brand identity is pretty amazing. But but yes, 80 years old this year. That's amazing. That's amazing. What does what does the CMO role look like that you're in today? Yeah. So I mean I it's a little meta because it's like I'm doing <laughs> for us, what we do for our clients, and I'm interacting with other CMOs through what I do. I would say my role is it's multidimensional, but first and foremost, it's thinking about our own brand and nurturing the brand, thinking about the kinds of things that we want to be talking about and writing about, the experiences that we want to create for our clients, the offers that we want to put out there, how we want to attract talent, how we want to build a culture internally that's attractive to the top talent. So really all aspects of of marketing and PR and presence in digital channels and and all of that really fun and exciting stuff. And then the other part of it is is really business development and and sales. And so it's kind of the two hats that I wear and they're both very much connected. And so it's like top of the funnel all the way through, hopefully building long-term client relationships. And so it's it's a really awesome job. I mean, it's such a great industry to be in and then to be at the forefront of so many conversations with top CMOs and top companies and hearing firsthand what they're grappling with, the challenges that they're facing, the opportunities that they see, and then kind of applying that back to how we're positioned as a brand and how we stay relevant despite the fact that we're going to be 80 this year. So it's an awesome role and one that's really every year has evolved in terms of what the market has been like, what the company has been like, and, and the kinds of roles and hats that I've worn over the years. So I feel really grateful. It's, it's a good gig. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you, you are blowing away the tenure of CMOs <laughs> if yeah. you read the trade press. But I know your, your role has evolved a little bit you know, over the 10 years. Tell, can you give a little insight into like, how it evolved and like, the different areas that you've had responsibility for at different times? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's it's a B2B marketing context and it's professional services marketing role. And so it's it is very focused on really the overall strategy of how the brand is positioned out in the marketplace, how we put out new ideas and drive new intellectual capital that helps shape where the market is going and how we deliver for our clients, all of the things you would traditionally think of in a marketing role from events and as I said, PR and our presence in social media across digital channels. So that's remained the same. The parts that have evolved is over those 10 years have kind of taken on some different roles in the company, some operational roles. We have a, a really big knowledge management department because really our product is, yes, our people, but also our thinking. And so the ways in which we kind of cultivate and synthesize and catalog all that we've done over the years and kind of draw from that was a really fascinating department to oversee. I then took on also the role of talent and and kind of HR. I wasn't doing 
day-to-day, you know, benefits and employee relations, but thinking about the role the brand plays in, again, attracting and, and, and retaining talent and the importance of being transparent as an organization of open and honest communications, um, thinking about inclusion and diversity, the business development piece I just spoke to, and then a few years ago joined the management team. And so have an opportunity to sit with the other leaders of the firm as we think about where we're going and where we want to invest and and how we want to continue to grow this, this company that's continuing to evolve even despite kind of our longevity. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love the examples of, you know, the different areas or roles that you've taken on for a period of time here and there. As a professional services firm, like you talk about, I mean, your product is your people and your knowledge, right? Uh, Which are two areas that you've stretched into and contributed to, as well as just maintaining the external brand and presence, if you will, for the company. That's, That's pretty cool. I like how, I like the inside outside component of that. Yeah. I mean, it's what we talk to our clients about, you know, it's right. very much, you know, <laughs> kind of practicing what we preach. And, and I also think just for me, I guess, personally and professionally, it's very easy to sit in an organization and look at another department or another division and kind of wonder, are they adding value or what are they doing every day? I mean, I think sometimes marketing does get, you know, a bad rap of you get the budget, you get to have all the fun and, you know, it's, and what I've learned is like every role is important. Um, down to support professionals. And until you kind of walk in those shoes, you really don't know. And I think a great marketer has not just visibility into, but understanding of really the whole, the whole organization and various departments and challenges that they face and how everything connects. And so I think it's been just a real gift that I've gotten the opportunity to, to be in these roles because I think they've, they've helped make me a better leader and hopefully a better marketer. Awesome. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, let's, let's uh, switch gears a little, just a tiny bit, and we'll talk about CMOs of client companies and just the roles in general, like a typical CMO that you obviously might be servicing or uh, you know, we see and hear about in the press, if you will. So what do you think, if you think about the chief marketing role itself, what's changed for them? Yeah, well, I mean, I will say there is no, I think, uh, typical CMO, right? All we're we're fortunate yeah. that we work across industries, across different types of businesses, sizes of business, and 
there's just such a range in what a CMO is responsible for. Although, of course, there are some of the kind of obvious things. And I think there's been so much talk about how the CMO role has changed, how it's often sometimes being scrutinized. You mentioned the longevity or lack thereof of tenure that people have in that role. And I think that there's increasing pressure, increasing pressure that CMOs have to demonstrate ROI, think about everything from communications and talent to data and new technologies and sustainability and inclusion and growth. And so I do think that there's an ongoing trend of CMOs broadening their remit to really prove the value that they're delivering to the organization. But I also think that we could get a little sidetracked by all that's changing and and sometimes lose sight of some of the fundamentals that I still think the best CMOs embrace and, and are continually keeping their eye on. I mean, at the core, like, do you really know your customer and understand them not just as consumers of your brand or your product, but as human beings and understand what makes them tick and the kind of progress they're looking to make in their lives and then the role that you play. I mean, we a lot of the work that we do is about defining who you are as a brand. You know, do you have a clear brand purpose and a compelling brand platform? And is that not just words on the page, but something that guides daily actions and behaviors of everybody? I think innovation is more important than ever before and continually thinking about new ways to be part of your customers' lives and marketing playing a role and thinking about that from the lens of what our brand stands for and how we can kind of push credibly into new areas. I think there's a lot of talk about what the right marketing operating model is. You know, Do you have the right team? Are you using the right tools? And I also think just being relevant, like whether it was your presence on Twitter yesterday or TikTok today or whatever it will be tomorrow, are you seen as authentically part of the culture and driving the conversations within kind of the audiences that matter most to you? And so I think that there has been a lot that's changed, but I think that those fundamentals are still important and will always be important. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree with all of them. I I think the number of CMOs I've talked to over the last, say, year, maybe a year and a half, to your point around no CMO is exactly the same as another. It's very true. It's unlike any other job in the C-suite, I think, for many respects, because it's so unique, depending on the category context, company context. And it does seem like many people are doing elements of what you described, but how it comes to life is different in each organization. So, you know, they might take on similar role to you in the past of focusing on talent or culture building activities, because that's a a lever that they're trying to pull that maps back to something the business is trying to achieve, or it could be pushing into purpose and understanding their brand or taking more of an ESG approach to helping to translate the company's mission and purpose going forward, where they place their next set of bets. But it's a, it's quite, it's quite a expansive role. And the one thing that comes back that I think about a good bit, and I was just curious to get your thoughts on this, having sit in a role and also in an organization that serves other marketing organizations, but they, because of this connective tissue, like this uh, need drive and some elements change or transformation, they have to be really partnership oriented with their internal partners. And I don't know if that rings home for you, both in your current role, but also um, those organizations that you serve. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to how we, I agree. And I think it goes back to how we think about 
brand and the role of brand and marketing mm -hmm. as it relates to that at its best should really be like the operating system for a company. It's not right. just about what happens in the marketing department or in the realm of communications and reputation management. And so in order to achieve that, you do need that collaborative mentality and mindset and back to kind of understanding the various functions in your organization and what they're trying to achieve and how that connects back across product and technology and security and all sorts of things. But I also think fundamentally to do that, you need to have a seat at the table. And there's, mm -hmm. you know, ongoing conversations of does marketing have a seat at the table? And I think it has to be the brand and then therefore the individual or individuals responsible for building the brand, I think have to be seen as drivers of the business and therefore inextricably linked to where the business is headed from a strategy standpoint and then can be empowered to drive that change through collaboration. But I think if you're kind of trying to fight an uphill battle of, of pushing like the change or the transformation just from a silo, it's, it's not going to work. And so I think you kind of need both. And mm -hmm. the best, I think, marketers are those that really have the ear of the CEO that understand intimately the business and how it's changing. And again, the people that the business is serving both internally and externally and how to meet their needs and be indispensable. No, I, I agree. Well said. Well said. Well, you mentioned brand and let's talk about brand a little bit. How are you guys defining what it, what brand means today? What does it mean? It's interesting. I think that we talk to so many different kinds of companies and different points in their evolution. And there are certainly some that see brand in the way that we see brand very holistically. There are other organizations that I think have maybe leadership teams that see brand very narrowly. It's, it's your name, it's your logo, it's again, maybe your advertising and communications. And so sometimes it's a question of like meeting our clients where they're at and talking about brand from that perspective. But I think that brand, again, at its best is a driver of the business. It's the embodiment of not just who you are, but what you do. You know, we uh, at Lippincott like to talk about our founder who coined the term corporate brand identity. And it, I think, was seen as a communications tool, something that was managed and controlled. It's how you look, how you sound, how you kind of feel as a company. And I think those things are still important. But what's evolved is brand being about the experience that mm -hmm. you deliver, the behaviors that you demonstrate, the actions that you take because of what you stand for. and. I think that there are debates today about like, does brand even matter? There's such a proliferation of companies and brands and choices. And I mean, I think we certainly see that it does matter and it matters, especially as if you think about it in the way of aligning an organization around a common purpose and driving towards that purpose, that North Star across the organization in terms of what you commit to. And, and again, the, the things that you not just say, but do. So we see it very much as capital B brand, but as, you know, I think that there are different perspectives out there. And, and I, you know, I would also say that at its best, like brand is about an emotional connection that you have mm. with, with an organization, with a product, with a service. You know, I think people do turn to brands as a form of self-expression still to this day. And as, you know, being part of something 
bigger than themselves. And I think that's also true from a B2B standpoint. So I think at its best, that's what brand does. And, and part of our hope is to continue to demonstrate that through the impact that we have with our clients and on their businesses. And it's ever evolving, but it's, it's to us really the most fundamental part of, of a company. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you describe that, I'm thinking of like, I mean, from the internal perspective, it's brand, I might summarize it to say like, it's the ethos of how the company runs and operates to some degree. And then it's to your last point around like the perception in marketplace. It's also like what you leave people feeling when you're done. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which is, I mean, obviously it's very squishy, but at the same time, it's very comprehensive. (laughs) Yeah. And I think part of what at least Lippincott with kind of our roots in management consulting, being part of Oliver Wyman, we tried to to do is to take the squishiness out of it. You know, mm-hmm. everything that we do is focused on what are we trying to achieve as a business? What are the metrics that we're trying to move? What are our objectives? And everything kind of stems from that. So yes, I think there can be a squishy element to it, a bit of an intangible, but I think it can also be real tangible return on building your brand mm-hmm. for the long term. Yeah. Well, how, as you think about it and as the company has evolved, how has building and managing a brand changed versus stayed the same? Yeah, I think it's a good question and one that we're often grappling with. And every year, every organization that's kind of in this marketing space comes out with their big trends for the year and, you know, what's changing. And certainly things are, are changing. I think if we take a step back and look more at like more fundamental shifts, I think we often talk about a shift from, almost like an institutional era of branding to more of a human era of branding where prior brands were kind of centrally managed top down. They were, we would focus a lot on consistency and kind of consistency being king. And now it's just technology and social media has allowed people to connect with and share and personalize brands and brand experiences more than ever before. And so Brands now have to welcome that kind of co-creation. They have to continually evolve to reflect the needs of our ever-changing society and kind of understand that they can be controlled only to a certain degree. And in a way like that openness, that adaptability, that notion that brand is almost like a living and breathing thing is, is something that I think has been growing over the last number of years. I also think that you know, the values that going back to your discussion about employees. I mean, that like the values that a company truly embodies and again, meaningfully demonstrates those values every day, I think is more important than ever. People are, I think, interested in working for companies that align with their worldview and that they feel are doing important things out in the world. And I, I think that idea of kind of not just profit, but yes, mm-hmm profit plus being able to kind of enact change is something that I think is also a bit of a shift that's been growing over the last few years. And then I guess the the last shift would be just the pace. I mean, the cycles of having to get new content out there to be seen as vital and relevant to evaluate your portfolio, to think about the way you're structured, to decide to acquire or spin off part of your business, to reposition yourself, the the life cycle of the brand, I think, continues to like um, shrink. And so you're kind Mm -hmm. of 
having to keep up a, a lot faster than than you used to. Yeah. I mean, the, the notion of that dynamic component of a brand, whether it's being more human and allowing, I mean, frankly, people to play with your brand to yeah. some degree and play with those brand cues, maybe even more hone in on that aspect of it in particular, whether it's colors or symbols or you know, whatever it might be. And this notion of like change and pace of change. I mean, ultimately, it seems like the brand has to be more adaptable mm -hmm. um, to various situations. Has anybody on your podcast talked about being agile? Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. that is, that's the end all be all. You know, we need right. to be an agile organization and we need to respond quicker to what customers are wanting and needing. And certainly through the pandemic, it's kind of showed us actually the power of adaptability and of shifting so many things and cultural norms and ways of working. And so, yeah, I definitely think that that is, that is a hot button that will probably remain a hot button again, just to be able to acknowledge, you know, the fact that also it's, it's okay to experiment and maybe, as you said, play around a little bit, certainly thoughtfully and based on some strategy. But I think people have been a little less precious with, with their brands. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, I agree. I agree. I was trying to think of some examples, but I'm blanking on some good ones that I've seen recently. But I mean, I think just a, a popular thing, I think there's an ad running in the UK right now with McDonald's, um, yes. you know, and the eyebrows, <laughs> the arches, or even the, you know, um, attire of the first woman, I think you see in the ad itself, wearing the McDonald known, you know, McDonald's colors. And so those cues, you will being playful yet having some fun with what it is that your brand kind of symbolizes and and says in marketplace so yeah and i, mean, I think that's also very appropriate and authentic to mcdonald's i think it could go off the rails pretty quickly sometimes <laughs> right and we yes. certainly have heard those stories but but yeah i think it's things nothing is static anymore everything is moving and evolving and often in a digital setting as well. And so that's also been just a huge ongoing opportunity for brands. Awesome. Well, it's fun talking about brands. One of the things we like to do is get to know you a little bit better. We know you love music, live music <laughs> in particular. But my favorite question to ask everybody that comes on the show is, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big question. And <laughs> I was... I was thinking about it and at first there wasn't something that it's like, oh, that was the eureka moment or that was when everything kind of became clear. But I think there were two things that came to mind. First, you know, my parents both worked and were both really committed to their, their jobs and their careers. And I just remember from a very young age, always being passionate about building a career. Like I, I absolutely knew I wanted to build a family and be a mom, but I really just thought that having a career and a platform and working hard was like the coolest thing. And I remember um, I had, I did like Barbie dolls. My favorite Barbie was, I think it was called Data Night Barbie. And she was a professional and she had a suit and she wore a hat and she had a briefcase and she was going places. And then after her work day, you can switch things around and you could now make her outfit such that she could like go out at night or be with her family <laughs> or go to some 
fabulous party. And I thought, oh, that's what I want. I want to be day to night Barbie. So <laughs> I don't know if I've quite achieved that, but uh, having a career and working hard and no matter what level I'm at, just having that work ethic of always pushing yourself is I think just something that's been with me since I was, I was little. And I guess the other thing that I thought of was I was a, a gymnast. I did competitive mm. gymnastics only until I was probably a young teenager because that was just not going to be my, <laughs> my trajectory. Right. But in gymnastics, everything is very precise and it's the way your hand is curved and your toe is pointed and the number of steps you take before you, you do a trick. And literally you're being judged by tenths of a point and you know mm. what those 10 points at the time make up. And so I think that certainly strive for perfection, which doesn't exist, but more so that like the little details matter and always being cognizant of those, those small details, those small touches that, and paying attention to them and being very purposeful about that next step is something I think I got from, from being a gymnast. I, yeah. I love, I love both of those and uh, <laughs> what a fun experiences in both, in both regards, very different, but fun. And I, I'm, <laughs> I can't help but envision that you've got like a, um, attachable sparkles somehow to, somehow, to go somewhere. from day to night. Yes. You always need some attachable sparkles. Yes. Um, yes. Even yes. on the, on the toughest of days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I played with that same Barbie somewhere. <laughs> like, All right. There you go. I, when I was growing up, of course, uh, <laughs> not to, not to creep people out that are listening to this now, but like <laughs> I, I, I do like a, I think daycare or something. I, I'm almost hundred percent certain I've seen that Barbie before. Oh, it's now you can find anything on Instagram yes. or Pinterest. And so I recently came across it and I was like, oh, right. And so <laughs> I, I have the picture. I can send it to you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And 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 what a great brand too, just in general. I mean, um, quite, and they've modernized themselves and um, have many, many occupational Barbies now too, too you can choose from. Yeah. And now a movie coming out pretty soon, which I'm very excited because... I love the director and writer and it's, it should be a lot of fun. That sounds cool. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, what would you tell your younger self? I think, and maybe this kind of plays off of maybe the, the last question where, you know, it was like this desire to be professional and to kind of get it right and to push harder and to make sure I got every tenth of a point. I think there's a certain seriousness, you know, that, that comes from that. And I would just tell myself, just to maybe not be so serious, you know, and, and, and kind of find the, the joy in making mistakes and the fact that the road is not going to be linear and the fact that you're going to make mistakes and your life is going to exist in this kind of gray zone much more than in this binary, you know, it's good, it's bad, it's black, it's white, it's up, it's down. Life is just more complicated than that. And I think when you're trying to like make it work so hard, you kind of lose some of that. So I would say not to be so serious. Love it. Well, is there a topic you're trying to learn more about yourself or you think marketers should be learning more about today? I mean, I'm trying. I mean, I think the idea of just all the new technologies that are available and um, yeah. was something that certainly being in the business of design and creativity and storytelling, the AI tools that are available and, and what they're able to achieve and what they're not able to achieve and, and what it's going to look like as things move forward, I think is something that I'm trying to continue to learn more about and learn by, by doing and experimenting. 
which I think for some comes very, very naturally and others, it's like, what is this scary thing that I don't (laughs) know? And so I, I think just pushing yourself to be uncomfortable and to learn and, and experiment with some of these new technologies is really important. And then I think just issues around sustainability and we have clients that very much are wanting to make positive changes in their practices, but really understanding like what is going to move the needle and what then is going to resonate with with consumers to actually create behavior change, I think is is critically important and something that I know we've done a lot of work on and that I'm continuing to to learn more about. It's, it's complicated, but you know, change needs to happen much quicker than it has. Yeah, no, I agree on both of those. And changing behavior is probably the hardest thing you can try to do, but we have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. We have to do it. Isn't a yeah. question. No, exactly. And the AI tools, I mean, you kind of allude to, I mean, I've played with the uh, GPT-3 and I guess now the uh, GPT chat or whatever it is a little bit, which is both fascinating and completely mind blowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even some of the 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 uh, design or, or art AI as well. I've played around with those and it, more to come. Like I, exactly. I, I don't know how that main manifest itself into day-to-day work but i i think it's going to be the artist and the creators that figure it out first mm-hmm. um and you know i've got a actually a high school classmate friend that's female and, and playing around with ai visual tools and then essentially helping her aid in her artwork which is fascinating to unpack how she's doing that so it's like man and machine <laughs> truly yes. coming together to create something completely unique. Um, yes. But it's interesting how she divides the labor and I think it'll continue to shift and evolve, but I think it's those folks that are going to be helping guide how we how we use those things in the future. So anyway, more to come for sure on that. Uh, maybe we maybe in a year we can come back and say what have we learned <laughs> about yes. those tools. Well, um two more questions for you on a personal note, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? Yeah, I mean, we are always looking at kind of the exemplars and those that are on the fringes and those that are doing interesting things. And maybe I'll just cheat a little bit and and make reference to, to a few that I've actually had the opportunity to interview on our podcast. Yeah. And I think you can find just really exciting things happening across industries and geographies and just those that I think maybe are less known or the ones that I'm that excite me. And so one of them is Depop. Uh, Depop is is kind of a, a peer-to-peer social e-commerce company, but it's really focused on fashion and circular fashion. And the way in which they listen to their community of Gen Z and the way Gen Z has kind of rallied around the brand and embraced the brand to make secondhand fashion really credible and viable has been exciting to see. They're, I think, founded in London, but have been expanding internationally. And I would just keep an eye on them. Mm. The other one, a kind of another small growing brand is Houseplant. So I had interviewed their chief customer officer, but Houseplant is a cannabis and lifestyle company that was founded by Seth Rogen. And it's just a, such an interesting space. But what I love about it is how 
laser focused they've been on actually the experience. And even as they think about expanding beyond California, they want to perfect like the most phenomenal customer experience where they are before they even think about tackling a new market. And the way in which they've thought about the role of design and everything that they do. I mean, obviously they're a housewares company in addition to cannabis, but and design is inherent, but it's just got this very authentic ethos. And, and you could tell that it's just been passionately built by people who really love the space. And then the last is Roblox. There's so much happening within the tech space right now and so much discussion around focusing on positive, safe, civil interactions online, particularly for younger generations. And I really think that Roblox has been very focused on that since day one. And it's really part of their values and everything they've done has been through that lens. And I think that they've just have been continuing to innovate and grow and it's just a really fun space. And I think a company that I just really admire. So those are a few to kind of check out, but lots of different ways to slice and dice the question. Hopefully people find inspiration there. No, yeah. I've just recently heard about Depop and it is fascinating. I have not heard about Houseplant, so I, I have to check that out. And obviously with a teenager in my house, Roblox, I've I've seen. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Um, in, in its earlier days. And it's fascinating just the ecosystem that they've created. Well, even anything. when like you look at the role of like how they've utilized that platform mm-hmm. for fashion and the partnerships that they've created with artists and designers and communities and experiences that go well beyond the like 10 right. to 13 year old boy. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It's truly a, like a, a Petri dish for incubation, new ideas and innovation. It's truly kind of fascinating. So yeah. I have to check out Houseplant though. I have not seen that yet. And before I move on, tell us your podcast name. So we make sure that listeners that are interested in hearing more marketing stories can hear them. Sure. I'm always up for, for a plug. So the, the podcast started about two years ago at the, the height of the pandemic with the desire to just connect with established and emerging brands who were doing really interesting things in the world and the stories of what they were doing and, and the people behind them. And so it's called Icons in the Making. And there are about 24 episodes. We're in season two now, but really everybody from Google to Moderna to TikTok to Roblox and Depop and Houseplant and Delta and Netflix and Uber. I mean, just really brands that are doing interesting things and people who are in those roles who are really trying to enact change. So it's it's fun and hopefully people will check it out. Icons in the making. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Last question for you. What do you feel is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I mean, I might contradict myself a little bit when I talked about we need to be experimenting and and embracing new tools and technologies. But I would say the biggest threat is that we are just constantly chasing the next big thing. And I mean, we were a year ago talking about crypto in a very different way. And we were talking about even Silicon Valley in a very different way. I think as people, as humans, we're going to continue to evolve. Technology will continue to evolve. But I think we can risk kind of missing the forest for the trees sometimes as an industry that's obsessed with what's new and what's shiny, that we just have to, I think, be grounded again in one of those, what are those core fundamentals and making sure we don't lose sight of those. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you. And I think you can you can kind of do both. And we've talked about it a little bit, even on the show or on this conversation today is 
the notion of having a dynamic brand that can evolve and shape and move and respond in, in the environment that may be changing around them. But at the end of the day, it's that ethos and the, the feeling that you're trying to leave your customers or users with. You've still got to deliver on that no yeah. matter where it shows up. Right. Exactly. Yes. So I 100% agree with you. And I do worry with, I love the trade press folks, but, <laughs> but sometimes the headlines and the hype get ahead of the practical implications of it. Yes. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, and I have a, a, a good friend that's now at Adweek, uh, Jenny Rooney. I think oh with, yeah. I know Jenny. Yeah. She's great. And I think I've seen a, an evolution in their editorial calendar and coverage and um, it feels like real journalism again, yeah. in many respects. So I'm, I'm excited about the direction even they're going, which is great. Awesome. So, but yeah, I agree. And, and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about Lippincott, 80 years in the making and, and your own journey. So thank you for, for sharing today. Absolutely. It was, it was a pleasure. And I think now's the time to pull out my, my sparkle attachment and, <laughs> and see where the day will bring me. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 